So as we look at God's Word this afternoon, we we take up a a new chapter. I know it's starting at verse 9, but you'll notice there's that catchphrase. We've been been looking at this phrase as it occurs in in Genesis chapter 2. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when God made them. Uh, In chapter 5, we considered the generations of Adam. And now, in chapter 6, verse 9, we have the generations of Noah. This is important for us and ex- extremely relevant. We, we've heard it in the messages from the elders. You know, remember Lot's wife, but also remember the days of Noah. Life was routine. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage, and all of a sudden judgment came upon them. We've reflected on that in Psalm 90 as we've sung it, that judgment is, is something that every sin deserves. And so the framework in which we approach our text needs to, to consider the fact that we're the ones who are worthy of judgment and, and how will we be, escape that judgment. And that's what uh, the scripture's teaching about Noah is all about. Uh, remember when we, we concluded our, our portion of Genesis uh, in uh, chapter 6, or chapter 5, uh, Lamech gave the name Noah to one of his sons. I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we'll be referring back to God's Word. And, and if you notice what, what Lamech longed for, listen to chapter 5, verse 28. When, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the t- painful toil of our hands. Lamech was overwhelmed with life. He was overwhelmed with the struggle and the toil that he had in his work. And Lamech employed the name Noah. It's a, it's a word, that, it's a name that sounds like comfort. You know, we've just confessed our comfort of belonging to Jesus Christ. Noah's name means that comfort. And, and in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, he longed for the comfort that God had promised so long before to Adam and Eve, that seed that would crush the head of the serpent. And yet, Lamech is looking for a, uh, a different sort of comfort. Notice he, he couples this comfort together with the naming of Noah to his daily activities. The ground, the work, and the painful toil of our hands. He wanted relief from the travail of, of labor. What Lamech was looking for was a perpetual holiday. But God didn't give that. God would bring comfort in another way. In a way that Lamech probably didn't anticipate. And yet he would do so through this instrument, through Noah. God provides comfort through Noah. And that's what we're considering this evening. God consecrates Noah to provide comfort to his people. Noah was a man, verse 8, chapter 6, verse 8, tells us Noah found favor in God's sight. That is the conclusion, that is the conclusion chapter 6, verse 8, is the conclusion of Adam's genealogy. There's that resounding refrain of death. There's that horrific reality that, that God says when he sees all the wickedness, that every thought and intention of his heart, this is chapter 6, verse 5, every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then we heard that horrible realization. The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. 
And it grieved him to his heart. God's grief. Wickedness of man is so great that God's heart is broken. And yet there's Noah. Noah is the word of grace. It's the word of the gospel. And Noah's genealogy is a history of grace. Not Noah's grace, but God's grace. This is what we want God to show us from his word this afternoon. Show us that grace which comes and saves people who are, who are exceedingly wicked, saves them from the judgment that they deserve. Noah's genealogy, the history of Noah, is the history of God's sovereign goodness reaching into to a, a depraved condition and bringing life and redemption and salvation to Noah and his family. What this history reveals most dramatically is how God's grace preserves, protects, and delivers his people in the midst of judgment. This is our hope. This is God's consecration of his covenant dealings. God preserves, protects, and delivers his people through his sovereign grace in consecration of Noah. As we look at that this afternoon, we're going to consider three things. First of all, the character of Noah. Secondly, the calling of Noah. And thirdly, the covenant with Noah. First of all, the character of Noah. Verse 9 introduces us to this. There's three characters. Noah was a righteous man. That's the first character. Blameless in his generation. The second character. And the third character, Noah walked with God. Three things that, that relate to Noah's relationship with God and God's relationship with him. First of all, he was a righteous man. It means he was right with God. He had a right standing with God. When, when God looked upon him, he looked upon him as, as someone who, who he, he uh, recognized as Righteous. Now this righteousness wasn't, wasn't because of his work. It's not as though God had a different way of relating to him. It was a righteousness of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 7 reminds us of this. By his faith, that is Noah's faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. He received this as a gift, just like you and I, this right standing with God, he received as a gift, which ultimately would come for the sake of Jesus Christ. It was for the sake of the work of Christ, which would come so many millennia later, that God looked upon Noah and said, now this is a righteous man. And God regarded and credited to him the perfect righteousness, satisfaction, and holiness of Jesus Christ. That's the sort of favor, the grace that, that God bestows upon people like Noah, upon his children, whom he saves from judgment. That's what we recognize in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning. That's why this is a beautiful application of this sacrament that, that God, because of Christ's sacrifice, no longer regards us, no longer looks upon us as, as the sinners that we are, but by faith in Jesus Christ, by union with Christ, through that true and living faith, He says, Now, my child, I regard you as righteous. Oh, what tremendous good news this is for sinners such as ourselves. This is our character. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's part of that new created order, an order of grace, an order of redemption, an order of salvation. No longer aliens and enemies, but now sons of God with all the rights and privileges of those son, those of a son by faith. Isn't grace an amazing, astounding reality in the midst of perversity? That God looks upon His children and those who cling to Him by faith. He would say, you're a righteous person. May we never tire of hearing that good news. Of rejoicing, of letting that be the prompt of worship and coming to God with gladness and joy in our hearts because He's shown us again who we are by faith in Jesus Christ. But then there's another character, this righteousness by faith set Him apart from the world and, and here's the focus. Because He was right with God, he was blameless in his generation. God doesn't close his eyes to what is going on around Noah. He doesn't isolate him. He doesn't pull him aside. He doesn't separate him. But he recognizes there in the midst, here is the diamond shining in the rough. And it is pretty rough. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence. Verse 12, And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. But Noah. The child saved by grace was blameless in his generation. His righteousness was not just a verbal confession. Yes, I know I'm right with God. It wasn't just a, a clinging to that theological truth, but it was worked out in his everyday life. He walked differently in that generation. He lived differently. He had a different appearance. He was blameless. He was upright. He was faithful to God. He was committed to God's word. He was committed to God's service blameless he was holy because his God was holy to further illustrate this Moses offers one more character about Noah the third character he walked with God it's an important idea in a covenant relationship that God is establishing with Noah and Noah responds to in obedience to God. He walked with God. This relationship is, is being worked out in a variety of different ways. We've, we've heard this before. Remember, if I would ask you, when have you heard about walking with God before? There, there's been some very significant occasions in which, which people have been said to have walked with God. The first was with Adam. In paradise, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the garden. They had that perfect, glorious relationship. All that was destroyed, but then there was another, Enoch. Enoch is presented to us. He's the one who walked with God and he was not. And here we come to Noah. Noah is the next one. Noah is said to have walked with God. Think about that in terms of, of Noah and Enoch. Enoch lived after the fall. Noah lived after the fall. And that is when they are said to have walked with God. What happened with Enoch? He was translated out of this world into God's heavenly presence. 
but not Noah. Not everyone who walks with God is translated from earth to heaven. Noah has the same glorious character shown as Enoch, yet God has a different calling for Noah. So let's consider that secondly. Noah walked with God, and God called Noah. God called Noah through the revelation of his word. God said to Noah, verse 13, And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. In the midst of God's judgment, God graciously calls Noah through his word. He said to him, he speaks to them, he reveals what he's going to do to them. How important God's word is for your and my calling. To know God's call. To know what he wants you to do. To know his will for your life. You have to listen to his word. Let his revelation set the direction for your life. Where, where we walk with God, we need to respond to his calling, to his claim upon the earth. When we sing, Christ shall have dominion, it's not only an expansive and extensive thing over all the world. It's very personal. It's over me and over my heart, over my wishes, over me. You have to listen to his word. Let his revelation direct your life. And this revelation reveals that he is a God who can save you from judgment. When you commit your way to him, he will guide and direct your path. You will no longer sit in the seat of scorners. You will walk in the way of blessing, the way of life. And here as we consider what God is doing with Noah, God's revelation as God gives it to Noah, as he unfolds to him what he is going to do, he says, not only am I going to destroy the earth, but I want you to make an ark. God's revelation declares not only that God would deliver Noah and his family, but also how he would deliver Noah and his family family. He would deliver Noah and his family by Noah listening to God's word and making the ark according to the pattern. I think this is why Moses offers the distinct dimensions as a reminder that God is the one who has a blueprint for how he's going to deliver his people from judgment. Noah was not to seek another way for deliverance. Follow God's blueprint. Now this would be and appear to be the height of folly. What a ridiculous idea. Who can imagine a worldwide flood to destroy all things? Even when it's revealed in God's word, this is still one of the questions that scientists have today. Well, was it a worldwide flood or a local flood? God's word says it was over the whole world. It seems unthinkable, but we have God's revelation. And in anticipation of that, Noah was to trust God's method for delivering him and his family. 
Well, God was waiting 120 years, patiently enduring the unbelief and disobedience of the people. Before destroying the world, Noah was called to be building the ark. His calling, very simply, was to follow God's word. This is our calling as a church. Noah's building the ark, Scripture likens to the task of the church in preaching the gospel. 2 Peter 2, verse 5. Noah is spoken of as a preacher of righteousness. 1 Peter 3, verses 18 and 19 tells us that Christ went in Noah in his spirit to preach to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah. That somehow Christ is there through his spirit, through his servant Noah, the preacher of righteousness, making known to the world around him, them, that judgment was coming. This is the church's mission. This is our calling before the Lord. The world despises the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. The message of Christ crucified is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the method that God will use to save His elect. And it's what we're called to trust. To the world, this is foolish. It's as silly as building an ark when there hasn't, has been blue skies and no rain for 120 years. Noah, what are you doing? You have a God that's going to save you that way? That's ludicrous. It's laughable. It's outrageous. It doesn't make any sense. And in the same way, the cross of Jesus Christ is mocked and derided. We are called to follow and trust God's blueprint for how He will save His people. Not only as a church, but also as individuals. Good, sound, gospel-directed, Christ-revealing, Christ-centered sermons are the way that God saves from judgment. We need to be aware of this. We need to recognize this as we go out into the community. What are we calling them to? What are we encouraging them to do? Come to God's house to hear how He can save from judgment. You need to. This is your only life preservation. It's the only way to be delivered from judgment that God would come through this ark to save His elect people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This is the preached Word that comes. This is the call of the covenant. If you've received grace, know where it's come from and how God is working so that you can trust His method, His blueprint for the salvation of His elect. 
That's Noah's calling. Build the ark. Trust that you will be preserved according to God's method. That's our calling. It's the calling of the child of God. A personal faith with a personal righteousness, but a recognition of how God will save his people. And thirdly, the character of Noah, the calling of Noah, the covenant with Noah. Verse 18, But I, walk in fellowship with me, do what I command you, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. God sovereignly establishes this covenant. The parties of the covenant are Noah and his family. It wasn't a contract that that God negotiated or Noah negotiated with God. God said, between me and you and your children after you, I am the one who will preserve them. Astounding realities. Astounding beneficiaries. Noah is the one who found grace. And yet his family comes under his umbrella of the wonder of God's salvation. This is not to suggest that they were all saved. As we read through the unfolding of of the story of Noah, we'll recognize that they weren't. And yet God graciously provided for them the way of deliverance from judgment, the hearing of the gospel. Noah's responsibility Our responsibility within the covenant is always to obey. Noah, live in obedient faith with me. It gives us our responsibility. And that's what we recognize as well. As we live as God's covenant people, as we rejoice in the character we receive by faith in God's grace, that God looks upon us as righteous, as we recognize our calling to know God's means of salvation, but also his method of salvation. It's not for us to rest on our laurels, to sit back and say it's all going to unfold, but to be actively engaged in what God calls us to, to go as witnesses to the world. Noah was a preacher of righteousness to the generations around him showing them God's work. And so God consecrates you the same way today. With your character, with your calling, and with a covenant blessing for you and your family. Parents, it's the beginning of the year. School has resumed. Church activities are underway. Sunday school, catechism, cadets and gems. Your children have been blessed because of your faith to know the God who saves from judgment. Encourage them. Help them to see and understand the wonder of that grace. A covenant grace. A grace which summons them to see their hope of deliverance is nothing and no one other than Jesus Christ. That's how we are consecrated as God's people. Just like Noah, as we receive 
and find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together.